As we gather here today, this is more important than we can even fully comprehend. Say, well, this is just a bunch of uh, young people getting ready to go to Bible college. But God sees it from a much different perspective. We are at war, have been all throughout the ages, but we in particular are in a great conflict for the souls of men, the largest population of the, that has ever been on the earth uh, is right now, of course. In fact, more people live today that have lived, than have lived in all the combined years of history prior to this time. So you young people have an opportunity to reach a world at its height of population. It will start going down here fairly soon because of China's policies and America's pol um, abortion and all of that. But right now, you are at the uh, peak of population in the world's history. You also are at a very difficult time in history as Western civilization has turned against God, and yet people are very open. Your generation, I think, is extremely open right now. And uh, people in our community, we see far more open today than 33 years ago when I came here. But young people, you've got to understand, you are preparing to, to serve the Lord in a very serious way. You don't need to turn there. I'm just going to mention in 2 Timothy chapter 2, you have that great discipleship passage about teaching others also. And then it says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. When your country is at war, and when you as a young man or woman are pulled into the service, it's a big deal when preparation starts. Uh, during times when there is no conflict, officers have a much more difficult time getting their recruits to pay attention. But when you know in just a matter of weeks you're going to be on the front line of a major conflict, it makes all the difference. Back in the late 60s, when I was in my first years of high school, the Vietnam War was going strong. It was a mess. Our guys were dying left and right. It was a whole new type of war. And back in those days, we had the draft. There you had mandatory recruitment into the armed services. I remember that heart-stopping moment when I got my selective service letter. Uh, and I had to uh, respond to that. And I had seen classmates who were older than I was head off to the war, realizing that a number of them would never come back. That's something that's, though we understand it with the Persian Gulf crisis, it still is something very different as far as what you all are involved in because you volunteer to go into the armed services. And I remember how serious that was. I remember the heart-stopping moment, speaking of that, my freshman year at college, that they had moved to the draft. It was not automatic that everyone was going to be drafted. They had a lottery draft, and so it would, you would receive a number based upon your birthday. And my parents were praying, and my uh, grandmother was praying that my number would be very high 
on the list because they were only taking guys up through about 200 out of 365. And uh, I was coming down from the library at college where I was at and there was a dormitory. I could see in the distance the doors were open and there was a flood of guys all on their knees um, in uh, the lobby there. And what they had done is they had put the pages from the newspaper telling you what your birth date number was all over each of the lobby floors uh, in the dormitories that were there. And even from a distance, I could hear screaming, <laughs> oh no, crying, you know, uh, because by that time, the Vietnam War was, was just drug infested. The country wasn't for it. Guy, there was no strategy to win it. And uh, it was just not something you wanted to be involved in. And I remember just quietly getting to the side of the lobby, grabbed the newspaper and looked, and my number was in the 300s, which was evidently the hand of God at that point. But what I'm trying to say is that war is serious. I mean, it gets your attention if you're going to be part of it. And for a moment, I thought, I'm going to be part of this. And then I realized I wouldn't be. But my friends were, and they died. It's a serious matter. And so, young people, what has happened is God has called you to a place that is training seriously to serve the Lord in this day. And that means God has something very uniquely important for you to do, not by your ability. Believe me, He doesn't choose us for how great we are. He chooses us based upon our heart to serve Him and the unique gifting that He has given to us. I'd like you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12 as I want to look at the right response to this year of training. I don't like to call this boot camp. That gives just the wrong impression. Uh, and uh, believe me, boot camp would be tougher in your dorms uh, than we have. We try to get close, but it, it, does, it doesn't get there. And there's a lot of things, of course, we're not going to have Sergeant Tristan in your face. Uh, <laughs> Uh, don't worry about that. We've got very kind RAs and dormitory supervisors. We're all on the same team. But everything about this year is designed to train you for the war. And young people, if you're just thinking, I'm going to get a diploma, I'm going to have a good life, well, this probably isn't the place to be. Just get online and do it. It's real simple today. Uh, this is a boots-on-the-ground training school. Pastor Zempel years ago came up with a little say, uh, saying that I thought was so good, you don't train Marines online. You train them in many ways through vigorous uh, development in every aspect of their life. And this is far more important as much as I salute the Marines or any other part of the armed services. What we're about to be embarking on is far more important in the course of eternity. And so we need to realize that every aspect of development that's going on is for the purpose of preparing you to be a soldier, to be a servant of God that is going to be fully equipped. Now, young people, many kids are coming out of Christian colleges and being overrun by what's going on today. In fact, about 80% of Christian school college grads are not going on uh, for the Lord as they ought to. Thankfully, our, we have the reverse empire higher 
from BCM, and I'm thankful for that. But you need to understand that you need to be a world changer, as we mentioned last night, not let the world change you. And so these days are going to be important. And I'm going to give you some principles through the whole uh, first part of Hebrews chapter 12 as we're going to just go through the chapter that I trust will help you get a perspective today on what God uh, is doing in your life. Let's start with verse 1. Well, by the way, what was chapter 11? What's that? It was chapter 11. No, it's the faith chapter, okay. <laughs> I uh, blew that one. That's one of Dr. Jim's lines. You know what the previous chapter is? And everybody says faith, and he says, no, it's chapter 11. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I blew the punchline on that one. Uh, but uh, it's the faith chapter. You're exactly right. So we're talking in chapter 12 about what? Developing your faith. Faith is the key. See, God is all-powerful. His Word is perfect. If we will believe His Word and trust our God, we have everything we need to have a life that I cannot even describe what it can be if you'll trust God. Like the lives of those described for us in chapter 11. Verse 1, Wherefore, seeing also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, chapter 11, let us lay aside... Every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, young people, so many of you have had wonderful homes, good churches that you're in. You've been directed here because of that. Uh, you're very unlike your generation because of your background, many of you are. And yet, there is just because we live in this culture sins and weights that will make us very unusable for the work of the Lord. And if we're going to run that race, if we're going to fight that battle, we cannot do it without the power of God. Now let me just say this just directly so it will open your heart in these days. If you have unconfessed sin, if you have something going on in your life, no matter how good a heart you have, this isn't going to work. You've got to get that settled. I would say that many of you new students and returning students probably have things that need to be confessed to your parents that are weighing you down, that, is, that are going to cause you to be introspective and, and not just revel in who God is and what God can do. Lay aside all those sins. You say, but it'll, it'll make my parents upset. Listen, your parents will be thrilled if you'll get right with them. I, I don't think I've ever seen a parent that has any kind of heart that isn't thrilled to know the truth. And, uh, and you say, well, I'm going to have to probably tell the leadership here. In fact, you'll probably be asked just directly, how are you doing? Be honest with us because we want to help you. And I'll tell you what. With all of the pressures today, technology and other things, there are issues in a lot of young people's lives. And God has a great plan for you, but it will be thwarted if you don't lay aside that sin. How do you lay aside it? If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? Every bit of it. And I'm telling you, I want you to hit Tuesday morning free of heart. Wouldn't that be wonderful? 
Get that cloud God. Get that weight God. Get that secret thing that's been bothering you and, and disturbing you. Just dealt with and begin to get on the pathway of seeing your life prepared for the great uh, work that God has for you. So you lay aside every sin and then the weight. Oh, do we have weights, character weaknesses, bad habits, uh, wrong thinking, things that may not be directly sin, but wasting time, not scheduling ourselves, um, just not making the most of our lives, uh, things that maybe are more important to us than really should be for the proportion of the training time that we're in now. And so during these days especially, ask God to help you lay aside every sin and the weight, and let's begin to run with endurance. That's what that word means, the race that is set before us. Now here's the good news. Looking unto Jesus, not yourself. All right, our theme, which will be developed more in the next several days starting tomorrow night, is identity, discovering who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you. Looking unto Jesus, he's the author, he's the one that's going to get you on the pathway right now, and, he was, and he's the one that will finish it so that you are prepared and you can accomplish everything you need to accomplish. Young people, one thing you've got to get a hold of, it's not about you and it's not about your abilities and your strength, it's all about Jesus and his abilities and his strength and his finished work. Every young person here can have great victory over sin, can be used mightily by God, can be far... Um, more usable than you can even imagine, no matter what your past is, because it's all about Jesus. Christ in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So listen closely to those truths, because when you start rejoicing in the fact, this isn't me, this isn't me trying to do better, this isn't me trying to... Uh, perform and be accepted. You know, I've got to do everything right here to be accepted, BCM. No, just, just live for Jesus and it'll work out. Let Jesus be seen in you. Trust him. He's the author and finisher of your faith. And look at his life, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He is in victory and we can be in victory. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Now, the next thing I want us to look at is looking at Christ's example, realizing he's the secret, understanding we're preparing for the work that God has for us, for the conflict that lays ahead, that we've got to lay aside those weights and sins. We need to realize that God's going to be dealing with us. Did your parents ever discipline you? I hope they did, because if not, we will probably have to do a lot. But anyway, uh, uh, I always say, I wish, uh, uh, well, anyway, I won't say it. <clears throat> we'll just leave it right there. But uh, uh, so whatever they did do, be thankful for it, okay? But God's going to be dealing with you. Look at verse 5, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Now, I hate to tell you this, young people. Did you know that you're far more selfish than you even want to realize? I always tell 
uh, in the pre-marriage counseling before we have a wedding here, I tell the couple, marriage is going to be good for you because it's going to show you that you don't have as much victory as you thought you did. <laughs> I always have fun about a year later asking if that's true to the couple. And I said, oh, it's more than you said. You know, I can't believe how, uh, how selfish I am. Then Junior comes along, and I'm telling you, a whole new level of selfishness is revealed, okay? Right now, your first realm is going to be in the room, freshman. And you're going to realize, I'm more selfish than I thought. I can't believe these people in my room. I sat on my bed. <laughs> and, uh, they moved my book from one side of the desk to the other. It's terrible. They smell. <laughs> and you're going to come face to face with how self-centered you are, okay? So, God is going to use all kinds of things. And let me just tell you, young people, take the, the whole training aspect of BCM and let God use that. I can tell you from experience, when you don't listen to the lessons that God puts into your life in a positive way, then some things have to happen. I've had a couple times in my life that I got a big spanking as an adult and as a pastor. My son Wayne is one of those examples. Now, I remember when I talked to my dad after that was coming, that was, we realized the enormity of that trial. I, I, I got it. I got the message. And I wanted to be clear with my father and not let anything get covered up. Because I realized this was God dealing with me for the sake of those that are under my ministry. And I rejoice in that as hard as that's been even now uh, because it's exactly what is needed. And sometimes God will do that. But, you know, demerits, you know, that's chastening. Uh, and by the way, it is of the Lord because it's through God-given authorities that your parents have put you under. Assignments. Red ink when you get them back. A score on a test that makes you feel really bad. All right? Um, a call slip in your box that says, please see Mrs. Gilmore before the day is out. Uh, those kind of things. You can either, we'll see two ways to respond here. You can either respond the right way or the wrong way. But if you will realize, I didn't come here because I am perfect and I am going to be such a blessing to BCM. I mean, I am just going to make this school so wonderful that the whole country is going to know about BCM. That's not why you came here. If you did, then you probably need to do something else because uh, uh, you're not, you don't need what we have to offer. You came here like I went to college. Oh, I needed a lot of work. Man, I look at my freshman year. It's embarrassing. You know, I look at my senior year, I wish I was stronger. I look at my graduate years, but all those things, I am so thankful. Every bit of what I got in college, I use today. It is core of who I am based upon the training and the wonderful background like many of you have had with your, with your family. So uh, you're going to have difficult times. You're just gonna have pressure. And you're gonna find out, whoa, you know, my capacity needs to stretch here. Lord, I need help. We will start having testimonies in about three months, two and a half months, God somehow delivered me in an impossible situation, right, returning students? 
and those will be very real. It'll be wonderful, and you're going to find out how different your thinking is, what God can do, what your capacity is. It's all preparing you for the conflict that God has as you're going to be a soldier of the cross uh, to prepare you for that. But there are two wrong responses that can be there in verse uh, 5. Despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint. Despise means to count as little, count as negative. Now, if you reacted to your parents and got upset and mouthed off about what they were doing, you're, you need to get that corrected. By the way, you need to get that corrected with them if you haven't fully gotten that settled. But when you get difficult things here, and again, it's supposed to be difficult. Now, freshman, I want to tell you, the first four weeks, we edge you into things, okay? So you can breathe a sigh of relief, step by step by step, and it'll be a great time. But as it ramps up, it's all for your development. It's all God's plan to prepare you for your life. And so despise means to belittle, to react to, to be negative about. Every demerit you receive, you need to say, Lord, thank you. You know, I got to correct that. I need to be on time. This is bad. I didn't handle... I didn't, I didn't handle my room job right. You know, I, I forgot that. And I need to be, and, and i tell you what, if you won't despise it, but instead give it great weight, by the way, don't call home and say somebody gave me the wrong demerit. Now, come on, you are now adults. Your poor parents don't need that. Uh, in fact, the best thing, I mean, you need to handle life. And by the way, not everything will be perfect. There will be some misunderstandings. Communicate, but don't have the wrong attitude. Don't despise it. You know, don't get frustrated when your paper, especially freshmen, you're going to be surprised how much red ink will be on that paper. But so will your fellow student. You say, well, why can't they just accept us as freshmen? Well, that's not the point. We want you to graduate, okay? <laughs> we want you to write. We want you to know grammar. We want you to get it. So. I'm telling you, they're going to be nice about it. They'll work with you, but da, 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 da. okay. And, uh, and so, okay, okay. Ooh, this is painful, but I'm going to learn. You know, I've got to learn the right words. I need to remember to put a period at the end of the <laughs> sentence, you know. It's basic here. You know, I've got to be careful not to dangle out those infinitives. You know, there's things I've got to learn here, and I've got to make sure that I am putting my research properly and annotating it properly and all of that kind of thing. You say, oh, this is just so irritating. No, it's for your development. Now, it isn't going to be that important that you can write a research paper 20 years from now. Or is it? Could be key. Preachers, ladies, and all what you do, but the, what goes on inside is what's important. Don't despise. Don't despise it. The minute you belittle how God's dealing in your life, you need to realize, I'm, not, I'm grieving the Holy Spirit here. I'm missing what I need in my life. You follow me here? Because what's God doing? He's the author and finisher of your faith. He wants you to learn to trust Him. He wants you to see what He can do. He wants you to realize, wow, I didn't think I could do all this. I didn't realize what God could do through me. I can see the power of Christ in me. This is, this is a whole new vista of life perspective. And it'll be wonderful. 
But if you despise, it won't work. And then the other one is fate. Uh, sometimes young people have been taught not to have a bad attitude, but they just give up. Now, if you've been allowed to give up, you're going to have to work on that. I want to encourage you, the subject you find the hardest, start with that when you do your homework. The hardest assignments, do those first. When you failed a little bit and didn't quite understand that, that second month of Greek, when it's still Greek, okay, you haven't had that dawning of what this language really means. Your problem is going to be you're going to faint and just sort of think, I can't do it. It's never, I can't do it, Lord, enable me to do it. And, you know, if, uh, if you're being dealt with or you get the demerits or somebody has to counsel you, you have one or two reactions. Lord, thank you. This uh, speaks here. Uh, we need to embrace the chastening of the Lord. And, uh, and, but if instead you just faint and just say, they don't like me, what's the use? can't please anybody, where are, you, where are you placing the blame? Placing on the authority. On God is what you're doing. You're going to do that all your life. This isn't fair, and uh, I'm just going to give up. I'm telling you, young people give up all the time. Most colleges lose 40% of their freshmen fainting. We lose very few, praise the Lord, because we really don't want you to faint. But uh, I'm telling you, you don't want to run all your life. You want to accomplish something for God. I'm just giving you some things to put in the old thinker here as, uh, as things go along. So remember, it's the author and finisher of our faith. We want to grow in the Lord. We want to handle these things well. God is working with us, preparing us to be a soldier of the Lord. Verse 8, it says, it shows that we're the sons of God when God... Uh, delivers us and it speaks in verse 9 of how uh, the, our, if our fathers in the flesh did it, then we should have even more reverence for our God and be submitted to Him for the purpose of verse 10. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but He, God, for our profit, that we, and this is great, might be partakers of His holiness. The very opposite condition of our natural fleshly condition. I'll guarantee you, there are a number of you that came in to school this year and you're aching a little bit about your selfishness, your sinful condition, some habits you have, you're frustrated with yourself, right? I mean, that just is. And it's very easy for you to faint and just say, you know, I'm just, I wish I could be like so-and-so. I wish I could have the victory over here like that person has, but they're made of the same stuff you are. They just have, they have determined to trust their God and to take the circumstances in life and let God work it. You can be a partaker of His holiness. It isn't your holiness, it'll be His holiness. And honestly, you can live with a love for Jesus, a reality of His presence, living in that relationship and, and actually having victory over those things that have grieved you and may be grieving you right now. That's good news, isn't it? But you got to Respond right to what God's putting you through. That's what this whole process is. Verse 11. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grieveth. 
grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth, note here again, the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Now, the realistic, it, we never get excited about chastening. None of my children, when they found out they had to go to the room and get, you know what, um, none of them ever said, oh, Ted, thank you. I am so excited that I get to go and find out that the rod is real. No, that's, um, that's, I don't think that ever happened. If so, they were probably sick or something, you know, when, <laughs> when that happened. And when you get a demerit, it really is a little crazy for you to be going down the boardwalk. Praise the Lord, I got a demerit. No, that's, you know, it's not joyous. Okay, we understand that. It's grievous, but it has a purpose. And what is that? The peaceable fruit of righteousness. Do you see the whole theme here? Trust in God, faith, so that you can live out the reality of the Christian life, so that you can reach this world that desperately needs to know the gospel and what faith is and how God is on the throne. That's the whole point. Now, I've said all of that to talk about now responding right to God's working in your life, verse 12. Wherefore, lift up your hands which hang down in the feeble knees. Humility is not saying, I'm just so bad I can't do it. Humility is, I need God's help, but by His grace I am going to do it. Okay? Don't let your hands hang down. And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, and let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man, man shall see the Lord. And that's such a key, I could preach on that. When you're walking in victory, you walk with God. But here's the final part of this message I want you to get hold of. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. The opposite of responding right to the development, training, correction of God in your life is bitterness. It's one or the other. Accepting by faith that this is all good, we, the trying of our faith is working enduring faith. I should be joyful. Count all joy when you fall into diverse uh, trials in our lives. All that God is doing is good. And when we react improperly, we have a tendency to blame somebody else. What is bitterness? Bitterness is not taking responsibility for your own life, but blaming someone else for your unhappiness, your negative situation, for what happened to you, and thereby missing what God is trying to do. Isn't that our natural reaction? Isn't that what the world's doing? Everybody's blaming everybody else. That's the whole social justice theme of today. I can't believe that evangelical churches are embracing social justice when they're embracing institutionalized bitterness. It's really what's happening there. Uh, but um, bitterness is blame. Well, where does blame come from? Look at the first part of this verse. Looking diligently. That means, man, I'm telling you, don't miss this, the Lord's saying. Uh, you need to be... Uh, uh, with everything, uh, observing your life and being honest, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Here's what happens. We fail of the grace of God, and then we blame somebody else. 
you always have enough grace through the finished work of Christ, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, through the mighty word of God. You have everything you need if you'll humbly seek the Lord and allow the Spirit of God to work. You have enough grace to solve anything that faces in your life. But if you fail, and thereby you're unhappy, things aren't going right, God's having to deal with you, He's chastening you, well, the natural default instinct is, well, it's my parents' fault. I'm unhappy because whatever. Or it's my roommate's fault. That's probably true. But uh, it's... uh, it's my roommate's fault that I'm unhappy, or Professor so-and-so is making my life miserable, or Dean so-and-so is giving me too many demerits, oh, whatever, okay. And a lot of other miscellaneous things can happen. But you know who you're really getting bitter with? Who puts you in your family? God. Who puts you here? God. Who's dealing with you? God. Who is using people in your life, even irritating people? God. And so when we do not take responsibility for our life and all that God's trying to do to shape our faith and develop us and make us what we ought to be, when we start shifting that blame, we inevitably get a bad attitude toward God. Young people, Evangelicals of your age are leaving the faith. Brought up in homes. They've got sin in their lives they're not dealing with and attitudes of blame and bitterness, which is a big part of our day. Listen, social media is nothing but a bitter blog. Really, I mean, most of it is. It's just bellyache, bellyache, bellyache. Smear this person, smear that person. Unhappy. Did you know that your generation is the unhappiest and most lonely generation in the history of recorded Western civilization? Social media is not meeting the need. But I think bitterness is a lot of it. And so we, we get the root of bitterness because we fail of the grace of God and are not willing to admit it. I was wrong. If you were late, you were late. Okay, you didn't plan. Sure, somebody might have talked to you on the way or whatever, but you were late. Take responsibility. Don't blame the professor or that student row leader, you know. Why won't they listen to me or whatever? Or um, uh, going to discipline committee. It's very easy for us. And, uh, And some of these basic things that God is trying to help us, it's so important to realize even if it's not done properly. God's working through this. There's things I can learn. I can have a right attitude, but above all, I can have the joy of the Lord because that's the fruit of the Spirit. I can have peace. I can have a quality life. See, nobody can take away your peace and joy if you have the right attitude. It's never going to be your parents' fault. It's never going to be any other person's fault. It isn't even going to be circumstances' fault. And it's not God's fault because He wants to bless you. It's your fault because you're not responding spiritually. If you're unhappy, unfulfilled, frustrated, not getting done what you want to get done, not having what you want, and you are letting a cloud come over you, you're going to fail of the grace of God. And that's going to bring the root of bitterness. The word bitter just comes from that uh, natural um, bitter taste. Your 
tongue and mouth have far more taste buds for bitterness because a lot of times bitter taste equals poison. And uh, we have far less sweet uh, that, uh, that respond to uh, sweet things in our tongue. So there's no excuse for what we eat all the time. I mean, anyway. Uh, but it, it, have you ever noticed that you eat something sweet, it'll last for a little while, but you taste something bitter. Uh, you've heard my illustration when I was at the Dead Sea. Um, uh, sometimes they'll tell you to put your finger in there and put it on the tip of your tongue, and it's awful. I mean, it's horrible. I was 15 years old, gullible. There was this pastor who was a bachelor at 60-some years of age. He was a character, and uh, you can imagine. Um, and so I was there, and he says, listen, if you want an experience, cup your hand in the Dead Sea and swish around your mouth, and it'll, it'll be tremendous. Well, it was tremendous. <laughs> I mean, I gagged. I ran up to, I, I drank a Coke. I ate candy. I did everything I could. And three days later, I still tasted the Dead Sea. There's got to be a good, a good symbolic uh, um, thing that I could get out of that. It really did bother me when I was then told just right next to that, they dumped the sewage. And, and I'm sorry. Anyway, <laughs> so I've never been tempted to float in the Dead Sea when I find out some of those things. But the point is, did you know, you can just stay frustrated. You know, bad attitudes can just linger and linger. You know, here you have a bunch of people living in revival, and here's this student that walks in, and there's this little cloud around, and it's raining on them. And you feel so bad for them. You know, they're just living in this bitterness. Instead of realizing, I can have the joy of the Lord right now. It doesn't matter what's happened to me. God's using it all. He's shaping my life. Thank you, Lord, for the trials. And the cloud goes and the sunshine comes back. It takes, it takes all about a minute. You can change everything. And, uh, and so if you really want to gain all that God is doing, you've got to identify that bitterness and you have got uh, to realize it's because you failed the grace of God. It is your responsibility. You can have the grace of God back. Sure, you may have to handle things with people, but it's not because you're bitter. It's because you want to follow biblical principles. That's why you do that. But I want you to notice at the end of that verse, and thereby many be defiled. The reason we do have to deal with bitterness and bad attitude is because it hurts somebody else. And of course, we encouraged every room leader, every leader, every fellowship leader, you can't afford one moment of any kind of bitterness or wrong spirit because you're going to hurt a lot of people. But it doesn't matter if you're a freshman or a senior or, or seminary students that come in next week, um, we all affect somebody. And I tell you, the bad attitude in America is affecting a lot of people. God's servants, his soldiers, don't have that. You never want to drag somebody down. You never want to be negative. You never want to, uh, to uh, hurt somebody else by, at the moment, not experiencing the grace of God. And it's very important. And what's, what, I'll tell you what's dangerous is fornication, verse 16. Profane living, like Esau. It's all in the same context. You stay long enough with the wrong attitude, that's the flesh, that's self-centeredness, you're not experiencing the grace of God, your natural flesh will start coming up and you're going to start having viewing problems again, I promise you. 
Your discouragement's going to lead you to whatever bad habits that you've had. You're going to start thinking the wrong way about things. And then profane means it's earthy, it's not spiritual, it's just low-level perspective on life, which unfortunately a lot of Christians live in, not the soldiers of the king. You need to have a totally different perspective. So it's, it's very dangerous when you look at the results. The author and finisher of the faith. And I want you to look back at verse 2. Who for the what? Joy. That was set before him endured the cross. God used that to accomplish our salvation. Despising the shame. He didn't worry about the shame. And is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Keep the kind of teachable attitude. Lord, I'm coming here and I need a lot of growth. I tell you, the more I was in school, the more I realized I need this. In fact, I had to, to, really, I had to really be careful of not fainting for a while because I began to wake up to, wow, i got immaturities. I've got things that got to be dealt with. I, I, and, and, and I was learning what it meant to see God's grace in my life. But look unto Jesus. He loves you. He'll take care of you. He's got the power, but just trust him. Trust him. So as the months begin to go, the challenges come. Don't fall in the trap of bitterness. Don't faint. Don't despise it. Embrace what God's doing. Everything will work together for good. God knows what he's doing. He knows how to shape your life. He has a great work for you this year. See, Jesus could come back this year. You may never have that ministry you're dreaming about. This is the, the day. This is the time that we need to serve God. You can have a mighty impact in the Milwaukee area. You can be a great blessing to your peers. God's hand can be upon you right now. But it's very important that we look to Jesus and say, the finishing of our faith is more important than, th than things going the way I want them to go. Because if they all went the way you wanted them to go, then you would never develop. You'd be stuck where you are. And I can tell you right now, there's not a freshman here that could be a senior pastor, right? Or a sophomore, <laughs> or a junior, or a senior, right? Isn't there a lot of growth? You know, and right down the line, this is what it's all about. In this day, God has brought you here, brought you into this earth, to do a mighty work. Let's let him finish our faith. Let's bow for prayer. As we bow before the Lord, maybe right in this very initial chapel session that God has dealt with you. You know, you don't have to wait till the new life meetings. You don't have to wait till later times to just say, I, that sin or that weight's got to go. I got some things burdening me burdening me down and uh, maybe that's it or you might say you know I have struggled maybe with at home I struggle at times instead of rejoicing in the trial instead of accepting the chastening the pressures on me I get upset and I blame others I don't like it and I realize I have got to understand that I'm going to get out of my comfort zone but that's why God brought me here and I want that and there's some attitudes that I need to work on I don't know how God may have dealt 
with your heart today. But I'm telling you, if God did convict you, don't wait till next week. Let's just deal with it now and be free even today. How many would say, hey, Pastor, God did specifically deal with me, and I want to get the right start, and I know there's some things I need to deal with, whether it be things to confess or attitudes to deal with, uh, an approach to life. God dealt with you with heads bowed. Would you just slip your hand up if God has worked in your heart that way here today? God bless you. That's a blessing. Amen. Now, Lord, would you work in the lives of these dear young people? Give them great victory even today, I pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. And uh, 